Fox News has been the Republican Party's biggest cheerleader almost since it premiered in 1996. Fair, balanced, Fox. Nearly three decades later, many Republicans perceive Fox as the de facto kingmaker for all kinds of Republican candidates, including presidential. He's got basically a Praetorian guard of, of, of the conservative media, uh, Fox News, um, you know, the, the websites, all the, this stuff. They just don't they don't hold them accountable because they're worried about losing viewers. That's they, former Republican presidential candidate and current Florida governor Ron DeSantis explaining why he thinks Donald Trump maintains a stranglehold on the Republican Party. That kingmaker status brought Fox News power, ratings, and billions in profits. And it spawned a succession of imitators and competition like Newsmax. Almost 20 percent of the American people say they will vote for whoever Taylor Swift tells them to vote for. And now the Biden And One America News. OAN Live is the best way to stay up to date on all of the hard-hitting, straight-shooting national and international headlines. But for Fox, that synergy with Trump and the Republicans has come with significant risk and significant consequences. There is a settlement, a settlement in the high-stakes trial between Dominion Voting Systems and Fox. Dominion Dominion Voting Systems sued Fox for defamation after network anchors amplified Trump's false election claims. The company settled at a cost of nearly $790 million. Soon after, Fox's most popular anchor, Tucker Carlson, left the network. And then, another bombshell. Now to a changing of the guards at one of the biggest and most influential media companies in the world. After seven decades, Rupert Murdoch stepped down as chairman of the company he built. Consider this. Fox News still has the power to shape Republican politics as the country heads into another presidential election. But is that power diminished in 2024? NPR, I'm Ari Shapiro. It's Wednesday, January 31st. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, A People's History, from Onyx Collective and Hulu. Directed by Prentice Penny, executive producer of Insecure, Black Twitter, A People's History, tells the story of how black voices found a new home online and blossomed into a force for change while laying down some hilarious tweets along the way. From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. It's Consider This from NPR. The 2024 presidential election is looking more and more like it's going to be a repeat of 2020. Trump versus Biden, with Fox News and others in conservative media lining up behind the former president. But in the last four years, Fox has paid hundreds of millions of dollars to settle one lawsuit, it's facing another, and imitators are trying to get a piece of Fox's conservative viewership. NPR media correspondent David Fulkenflick covers all of this, and he joined me to talk about it. David, we heard Ron DeSantis say Fox chose to back Trump, and that's why Trump is dominating the primaries. 
Is that true? Well, I mean, look, give him high marks for audacity. It's true as far as it went in terms of its surrounding Trump now. But Fox uh, started the primary season sort of last spring by embracing Ron DeSantis. Uh, You saw him called the future on the the front pages of the New York Post, its sister newspaper tabloid. And Fox then essentially, I wouldn't say it uh, fully endorsed Ron DeSantis, but it gave him a chance to fully audition with the voters. It gave him uh, Fox viewers hour after hour of favorable coverage, of gentle interviews, of, you know, things like announcements of endorsements, uh, the kind of treatment they, in a sense, gave back to Trump uh, uh, in, in 2016. And he tanked the audition. The voters really didn't respond. We saw that in polls and we really saw that starting in Iowa and in New Hampshire. Trump was actually mad at Fox for the amount of time that they were lavishing on DeSantis because Rupert and Lachlan Murdoch wanted him to have the chance to to claim the title. So now Fox is leaping to meet the expectations of its viewers and Trump's voters. It's playing defense for Trump, just as DeSantis is now describing by picking on DeSantis, by picking on Nikki Haley and by picking on President Joe Biden. Well, if Fox gave DeSantis all of these softballs and DeSantis whiffed, that suggests Fox might not be the kingmaker it once was. Look, Fox very much wants to look like a kingmaker, and the truth is just more complicated. If you think about it in years past, Roger Ailes, uh, the longtime chairman of Fox News, and Rupert Murdoch himself uh, were very interested in having uh, CIA director David Petraeus take on uh, Barack Obama uh, during uh, uh, his reelection uh, campaign in 2012. Uh, there was a little 2016 uh, boomlet around uh, Rand Paul, the Kentucky senator. It's not that Murdoch can d- dictate or determine who the next candidate is going to be, but they have their favorites, they have their interests, and yet. You know, the Murdochs very much are pragmatists. They want both somebody conservative and somebody they can do business with in the White House. But even if Fox is not a kingmaker, it's a super important player here. Uh, Let's talk about the settlement with Dominion Voting Systems, because Fox had to pay close to $800 million for the false claims it made after the 2020 elections. Does that make it less likely that Fox will promote conspiracy theories and lies going forward? Well, there are two things, right? The question of conspiracy theories and the question of the person that those conspiracy theories are intended to prop up, and that's Donald Trump. Then as now you're seeing Fox pivot to this full embrace of Trump. We learned from the evidence that surfaced during the Dominion uh, trial that they they didn't find Trump particularly palatable. They didn't buy into his supposed populist appeal. The Murdochs, uh, their stars, their executives were chasing after his voters who were their core viewers. The biggest change that people see may well be the departure of Tucker Carlson, his huge audiences, and yes, the conspiracy theories that he was perhaps one of the key figures peddling. But, you know, he's been replaced by Jesse Waters. Consider Jesse kind of a Tucker light. And he's doing fine, antagonizing liberals, saying truly offensive things, and yet largely avoiding outright defamatory claims. One change I've noticed is that there are these oases of sanity. Neil Cavuto has been pretty consistent about sticking to the facts by and large. But Steve Ducey, one of the stars of Fox and Friends, one of the key outlets and vehicles through which uh, Trump was able to make his claims and his surrogates were able to make outrageous claims, Ducey has been reminding co-hosts and viewers of inconvenient facts time and again when failed policies had to do with uh, decisions under the Trump administration, not the Biden years, how well the economy is doing, how scant a lot of the evidence is in the Hunter Biden investigations that Joe Biden did anything wrong. I think we have a clip of that as well. 
With all due respect, the Republicans need better investigators because they've got a lot of circumstantial evidence, but they have not shown that Joe Biden profited personally, oh, they're doing or great. that he broke any rules. I John vehemently Sal disagree. Right? It's all circumstantial. This is okay. un, this is Brian. so. No, no, let me finish. And so I think that you're seeing Fox basically try to pull itself in moments back from the brink, even as it's desperate to give its voters the verisimilitude of the kind of conspiracy theory, QAnon adjacent matter that a lot of them found so attractive. Other conservative TV outlets are trying to take a piece of Fox News's audience, OAN, Newsmax, etc. How successful are they? Are they a serious threat to Fox? Well, I think the reason that they haven't been more successful is that Fox decided to embrace the crazy. I think that's what we saw after the 2020 election, where they allowed election lies to be peddled. And they have tapered and pulled back from that, but they have not utterly rejected a lot of the spurious claims. OAN and Newsmax, nonetheless, and I I would say Newsmax more than OAN, have retained a certain kind of audience and a pull. They are uh, an influence on Fox as well as an influence on the more fringy figures in the the, uh, House Republican uh, conference in particular, uh, really appealing to the most right wing of right wing audiences. And of course, OAN really has been uh, deplatformed largely after, you know, their most egregious lies about uh, Dominion Smartmatic. And yet, you know, they still go viral online on X and other social media platforms. So they are still participating in what people are hearing and thinking as they go online to consume political content. The conservative media fragmentation or flowering, however you want to characterize it, goes beyond TV. Who are some of the other major players right now? Well, I think you got to credit uh, Ben Shapiro, who's really built up uh, something of an empire at the Daily Wire. Charlie Kirk uh, was kind of a student activist, youth activist uh, in far right circles, CPAC and other elements of the far right, who has become a media figure as well, both on social media, through his uh, radio show and Internet presence. Uh, And then there are all these former Fox figures. Eric Bowling is one of the stars of Newsmax. Megyn Kelly, who had a disastrous run at NBC after she left Fox, uh, reinvented herself once more as sort of a hard right figure. Uh, her own, own podcast online, she just struck a pretty big deal with Sirius XM. And of course, Tucker Carlson himself, he's never going to necessarily have the same sway that he had when he was 8 p.m. host on Fox News, but he's got a video program he's attempting on X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it. Uh, And he also, you know, still retains enough uh, affinity, affection and influence in right wing circles that Trump has allowed it to be uh, uh, suggested that uh, Carlson could be one of his potential vice presidential uh, candidates. What does this all mean for Donald Trump? Well, at the moment, you know, he is uh, harnessing the energy from all of that anarchic thrust. uh, And he's also getting the embrace of Fox News. So I think... He is in a place to be able to consolidate not only the political primaries we've talked about, but the right wing media primaries, if you like, that we thought, well, maybe this will be a little bit more contested. Maybe DeSantis is going to be able to retain uh, the affinity, not just simply of uh, people in the Republican establishment wanting somebody other than Trump, but people activated by a new generation of this kind of uh, right wing populism. Not the case. What we saw was people are chasing audience and the dollars that that audience represents. At the moment, that is embodied by Donald Trump. So Fox is going back to the person they know, even if they don't have respect for him behind the scenes. Core Republican voters are determining that they are going to pull the lever right now for Donald Trump. So what we're really learning is that Fox, rather than being the kingmaker, uh, is embracing the king after the crowd has decided, or, or, or almost a little bit like at the Roman Colosseum. You know, the emperor looks at the crowd, thumbs up, thumbs down. The fate is decided by the crowd. That's NPR Media correspondent David Fulkenflick. Thanks. You bet.
This episode was produced by Mark Rivers. It was edited by Emily Kopp and Courtney Dorning. Our executive producer is Sammy Yenigan. Hey, before we go, one more piece of news, and this one's about our show. Starting today, you can support the podcast by signing up for Consider This Plus. You'll get to hear every episode without messages from sponsors, which means you'll get to hear what you need to know in even less time. And your contribution will help make the work of NPR journalists possible. You can sign up on our show page in Apple Podcasts or at plus.npr.org. That link can be found in our episode notes. It's Consider This from NPR. I'm Ari Shapiro. It's a high-stakes election year, so it's not enough to just follow along. You need to understand what's happening so you are fully informed come November. Every weekday on the NPR Politics Podcast, our political reporters break down important stories and backstories from the campaign trail so you understand why it matters to you. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Online. Is your child asking questions on their homework you don't feel equipped to answer? IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. One subscription gets you everything. One site for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts.